Shared revenue passes through both chambers in Madison yesterday. Now it'll be in the hands of the governing bodies here in Milwaukee, the city, and Milwaukee, the county. TMJ4's Charles Benson, their chief political reporter, has been covering this from the very beginning. Uh, Charles, this next phase could be the most critical and maybe the most difficult. Yeah, I think it's fair to say that. Uh, You really have to look here that you have two different bodies with the Common Council and the County Board. And remember, the threshold now is two-thirds. If you look at the vote in the Senate, it falls just shy of two-thirds. They get 21 votes on this uh, for shared revenue, including six Democrats. So it is clearly a bipartisan deal coming out of the legislature. If those six Democrats did not join in the Senate, uh, it would not have passed. So we did see bipartisan support in Madison. The question now is, what does it look like? And let's start with the Common Council. There are 15 members. They need 10 to get there. And I'll point people to a statement from seven Milwaukee alder men and women that came out late Friday night and raised a lot of concerns about the deal that was in front of the legislature. One of the key lines from them is this, quote, there is nothing to celebrate with the overreaching, micromanaging, and frankly, racist nature of many of the policies embedded in this, quote, groundbreaking deal. That is their statement. Now, those seven do not indicate in this statement where they are, how they would vote, but they raise a number of concerns around these policy issues with the Fire and Police Commission, around diversity and equity, and how the streetcar can be funded. Those are key issues for them. And so how they come across and how they try to um, decide how they're going to vote on this thing will be critical. Because if those seven hold to a position of no, it does not pass in the Common Council. So Charles and Madison, and you and I both spent a lot of time in Madison, oftentimes together covering different things. It was incredibly interesting yesterday. Latanya Johnson, state senator from southeast Wisconsin, looked at the podium and said, this is disgusting, this is despicable, this is terrible legislation, and then she voted for it because it's what necessary, she believes, for Milwaukee to escape this financial catastrophe that is looming. Isn't that likely how it plays out in the city of Milwaukee, that they rant and rave and they're very upset? But if they don't vote for this, it's the financial cliff. It is. And that's the consequences of your vote. And I think that's what elected leaders are looking here at here, because all of them say, look, bipartisan legislation. And we, when we talk, you know, we often talk about how, uh, you know, it's either all in for the Republicans or all in for the Democrats. And when we talk about compromising, when we talk about, about bipartisan, not every side wins here. And you look at the statement coming out of uh, County Executive Crawley and Chairwoman Nicholson uh, after the vote last night, they, they say that. Bipartisan legislation often means not everyone will get everything they wish. And while they're saying, yeah, we'd like to have our own autonomy here, they all recognize, John, the point that you're making there. The fiscal cliff exists. It doesn't go away. It doesn't go away with a speech on the floor that says this doesn't you know, hold up or there are parts of it that doesn't hold up. I'm not saying that the other parts aren't worthy to talk about or have concerns about. They've made their voice very clear on that. The question is, what do they do knowing that this fiscal cliff is coming in 2025? Now, I did some checking around today, so I'm looking to see 
How soon will we see this vote in the Common Council? And that is for the 2% increase in the sales tax. And then how soon could we see it with the county board? Because they're looking at a 0.04. On the Common Council side, I'm hearing around July. So that's not that far off. And I'm told every month that they wait until they can get this 2% sales tax passed, the sales tax will generate $15 million a month, and that's critical money that the city says it needs to go to the pension issue. Charles, let's say this all gets passed. How soon can, let's say it gets approved in July, how soon does that 2% get added so to it sounds our- like it will work it will work fast because they're going to want to try to capture uh that two percent as soon as they can so you know do they wait until the start of the month you know i i i don't have any specific details that it's going to be a 30 or 60 day but my my guess is that they're going to want to get it out there as soon as possible when you look at when we added the sales tax uh to help with the uh, funding of the uh stadium in milwaukee uh you know that was the regional sales tax so they know how to add these sales tax and put it in there so all everybody can start adding it to their bill. I imagine it would happen quickly. Charles, as somebody who's lived here for a long time, I'm proud of what happened here. Republicans wanted a lot. Democrats wanted a lot. A lot was needed to make this happen, and both sides came together. They both gave up, and the far fringes on each party is not happy. But legislation got done, and there was a major compromise that took place. You've covered politics for a long time. Isn't this how it's supposed to work on big issues? Yeah, it it, it really is. You know, we often talk about uh, how divided we are as a state, how divided we are as a country. But when you look at how things get done— at the end of the day, the bipartisan work. I mean, you, you look go all the way back to former Governor Tommy Thompson. When you look at his key legislative wins around school choice, around welfare reform, they do not happen unless he gets bipartisan support. So if people are saying, boy, I'd like to see government get along, this is a case where Democrats and Republicans found a way to come together and pass something that neither of them you know, would stand up there and say this is the greatest piece of legislation, but they will tell you this is what happens when you make a compromise and you come to an agreement to try to help a city and a county that are facing a well-known, well-defined fiscal situation. Charles, we got a text from the Old National Bank talking text line at 855-616-1620, and it's someone, uh, Kendall, would like to know, what if the city approves the sales tax and the county does not? Is there a scenario yeah, where so, that could happen? Yeah, I think you know, it's not one or the other, or they both have to pass here. These are two individual bodies that will have the opinion, that have the option. The sales tax for the city is at 2%, and the sales tax for the county is at 0.04%. And the two-thirds number for the County Board of Supervisors, I believe, is 12 because they have 18 members. Hey, Charles, less than a minute, but I wanted to ask you quickly a Donald Trump question. He's indicted and arraigned. Do you believe that makes it more or less likely he's here for that debate in August? 
Um, I don't know if that really plays into the equation on whether he's here or not. I go to some of his earlier statements about why he thinks should he be on the, the first stage because, hey, look, he's leading in the polls. I think he's a guy who constantly looks at the polls. So what are the numbers saying? You know, right after the indictment, he holds a big fundraising and rally in New Jersey. I think he's going to look at the poll numbers. What are they saying? What are people looking at? And if he sees a slippage there or people can concerned about something, I think that will motivate him more to be on that debate stage so he can have his opportunity. We've seen Chris Christie come out about uh, the the indictment. You're hearing some of these other presidential candidates raise concerns about, quote, the seriousness of the indictment. So that might be his motivating factor to say he would want to be on that debate stage. TMJ4 reporter, anchor Charles Benson. Always great stuff. Thanks, Charles. You're welcome.